Welcome to the Fairfax Church Podcast. We're a community in Fairfax, Virginia, following Jesus. We upload new messages every week, and to learn more about us, visit us at fairfax.cc. Enjoy the message. Happy New Year, and welcome again to Fairfax Church. We are so glad that you're here. My name is Kyle. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it's a real honor to um, be with you guys today. And kick off 2024 together. Um, I want to start out, I want to ask you to um, just sort of uh, try to take in this verse, like dial into it um, in, a, in a really big way. I want to read it a couple of times. I want us to hear it. Here's what it says. I want to jump right into this. It says this. It says, so here is what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Listen to it one more time. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I wanted to start with those words this morning um, from the book of Romans, um, because today what we're going to do is we're going we're to walk through and talk about and think about the idea of renewal. Here we are at the first of the year. A lot of you are probably thinking about that in general. I know I am. And um, what we're going to do, though, is we're going we're gonna to walk through this um, on a biblical scale and, and try to figure out more deeply what does that look like when we're talking about renewal and resolutions and goals and things like that? What does God have to say to that? Um, what is God calling us to do and what is God calling us to be as we think about this um, on a biblical scale. Um, if we're going to use the beginning of the year to reset, if we're going to use the beginning of the year to try to maybe do some things differently in 2024 than we did in 2023, if we're going to use the beginning of the year to improve, um, if renewal of some things in your life is important to you or something that you desire, or maybe many things in your life. Maybe that's the goal for you this year. Um, What does scripture have to say about that? You know, where can we start with that? Another translation of that verse that really maybe might bring it even more home for you is this from the NIV. It says this, it says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Um, Maybe that hits you in a different way than the other translation of the verse. Um, Let's do this to start. Uh, Do me a favor, raise your hand and keep it up if you've ever in your life made a New Year's resolution or set a goal for your your life at the beginning of the year. Okay, pretty much everybody. Okay, now leave your hand up, leave it up. Now, take your hand down if in about three months you've forgotten to do that and failed and yeah, okay, yeah. A couple of people back there, we're going to talk to you later. They've done it all the way. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of the way it goes, right? Um, we have good intentions. Um, sometimes we do make positive change, um, but many times we sort of, we sort of flop, right? Um, and I don't know if this is going to change that for you today. It might. Um, it might as we walk through what God has to say about that. Um, do you want to guess what the top resolutions are for most people in a survey that was done for 2024. All right, here's what we're going to do. All right, 
On the count of three, I want you to yell out what you think the number one, number one thing is. Ready? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. <clears throat> I got all those. I heard, I heard, lose weight, better health, okay? And then I heard the one that's actually number one, and that is this, save more money. Save more money, okay? Um, number two, and I think number two and number three kind of go together, exercise more, eat healthier, okay? Um, number four is spend more time with friends and family. And then finally, number five, according to the survey, was lose weight, okay? But if you do two and three, you might end up getting that too. So three out of the five have something to do with getting healthier or losing weight. Other ones are different. Um, Pretty standard resolutions, right? Nothing too surprising there. Um, Would you like to hear some of the more unusual ones that came up online? You're gonna love these, okay? You might even wanna do some of these, okay? You might wanna try some of these. Here's, Here's a few resolutions that people are making in 2024. Order every drink on the Starbucks menu, okay? But I'm gonna cross that out and put Fairfax coffee menu, okay? So join me in that, all right? Or order every drink, all right? Here's the next one. This one is totally bizarre. I can't even hardly pronounce it. Perfect my charcuterie board skills. I have trouble saying it, let alone doing it. Okay, um, here's another one really resonated with me. Stop drinking my morning coffee after I brush my teeth, Right? Isn't that right? See, that's better. You get up, drink coffee, then brush. Okay. Um, Now, if you do this one, if you do this one, I want you to videotape it and send it to me. Okay? This is amazing. All right? It says that at least one meal with friends sometime this year, spend the night ending each and every sip of whatever drink you have with an enthusiastic, ah, every time. Please do that and send it to me. Okay? Um, Here's another one. Bring up your Enneagram number any chance you get with friends and try to find out their number, okay? I don't know what mine is. I don't know, I don't do that. Okay, Um, and then the last one could be your goal for 2024. Learn the thriller dance. You don't seem that enthusiastic about that one. Okay, Um, resolutions, change, goals may be on your mind. Um, But this year as you approach those things, Um, I want to give you a biblical perspective on how followers of God have approached change and renewal in their lives, Um, how they have leaned in to what Jesus has done for them, how they have lived out what Jesus has done for them, how they have rededicated themselves to their faith in pursuit of goals and resolutions and real life change. Now, I felt really privileged this week because what I got to do most of the week was spend time going through scripture and and finding out what the Bible has to say about renewal. And I wanted to share some of those things with you. And um, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to write down these references. Um, Or if you have your phone and you want to do that, Um, not because of anything that I'm going to say that's incredibly important, but these scripture references, I think, are going to be important to you. Um, as maybe you go through your own process of thinking about renewal and you might wanna jot them down and look at them later. Um, But here's what scripture says that we can claim because of the sacrifice of Christ and what can be renewed in us, right? 
through the work of the Holy Spirit. So these are things that we can claim because of what Christ has done and what can be renewed in us because of the Holy Spirit. One is this, very important one, our strength, okay? Pretty important. Um, Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So something that can be renewed in us is our strength. Another thing that can be renewed is our minds, okay? Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, okay? A couple of other things, our hearts and our spirit. Psalm 51, 10 says this, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, renew a right spirit within me. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And one last thing that, that we can claim or that can be renewed in us is our tears can be wiped away and our pain can be taken. Um, Revelation 21, four says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So that's kind of our starting point of what are those things that, that Scripture says we can claim because of Christ's sacrifice and what can be renewed in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, another topic along these lines, you know, how are we renewed? What's the process, okay? Scripture says this, very important. It says, when we repent. How are we renewed? When we repent, Okay. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Um, as I read through this this week and I thought about that idea, how many of you guys have spilled something at your house? Raise your hand if you've ever spilled something at your house. And how many of you are nervous that your wife or spouse is going to kill you because you spilled it? Okay, yes, anybody? Okay, yes, all right. Um, we've all spilled something in some place that we don't wanna spill it, right? And when you spill something, like you spill something that's like a red color or whatever, and it's on a white carpet or whatever it is, or it shows up a lot, what do they tell you to do? They're like, go get some things to clean it, and do you rub it? You blot it, right? You're supposed to blot it. You're supposed to keep blotting it and renew the rag and blot it, blot it, blot it, blot it, blot it. And there's those two moments, right? One is when you spill it and you're like, oh no. And you're like feeling really bad about that. It's like a big deal. Then you go and you get the rags and you get the cleaners and you begin to blot it up, right? And hopefully, you know, it comes out. And then when it's clean and, and you'll find out that nobody will know about it, you're like, oh, I cleaned it up. And you have that good feeling. You're like, oh, okay, wow, that was really bad. Now I cleaned it up and I feel so much better, right? There are those two feelings. And I was thinking about that, this idea where the scripture says, repent therefore and turn back so that your sins may be blotted out. It's like this process that um, we, we walk into things and we're feeling maybe heavy with burdens. And God literally is like working on those things and, and pulling that out of us so that we can be renewed and refreshed and, and move forward in a different way. Um, another topic, why, why does God offer us renewal? Why does he want to work in our lives that way? A couple of really incredibly important verses. One, to give us a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, okay? God also works and does this and offers us renewal to demonstrate his love. 
Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. There are new, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And another reason is to show his mercy toward us. Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Finally, what's the result of renewal? If we walk through renewal, if we claim renewal, if renewal comes to be in our life, what's the result? One, we're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. Another one is that we gain hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, so we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. All of these things that, that, that we're supposed to understand and take in and and be looking forward to with the idea of God renewing our lives, of God helping us navigate something different that we haven't been able to tackle before. And and one last piece of scripture that I want you to hear um, that ties directly into the first one that we started with in Romans. Okay, this is the rest of the verse um, through uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says this, and listen to this. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It's this whole idea of when, we, when we're finally ready, when we're finally willing, when we're able maybe to, to really just lay it all down, to lay it all down and let God work through us and, and to surrender to that. Um, it talks about some pretty incredible things, these ideas of here's what we do, we surrender, and here's what God does. And, and I love these ideas of this, like readily recognizing what it is God would have me do instead of just kind of searching in the dark for that all the time. I wanna spend the rest of our time together this morning walking through um, a special vow that's found in scripture, okay? Um, I was taught this 18 years ago, okay? And I've actually shared it here before. Um, It's been a long time though. And as I was thinking this week about um, this idea, this came to mind about this special vow that's found in scripture. A couple of things about it before we jump into it. One, it's weird, okay? It's weird. There's some weird stuff in it, okay? It's it's kind of bizarre, so we're gonna get into that. Um, Another thing, it's not easy. (laughs) It was not easy to fulfill. Um, But it does highlight what I think is important today as we talk about renewal, and that is this vow and what God is calling us to is to surrender. It all starts with that. And if we really want renewal, if we really are tired of being held back by whatever it is that seems to have a grip on us to maybe control us in some way, um, it's not always about just trying harder to get past that. 
It's about really surrendering to God and having him work that out for us, help us to navigate it in a new way that we can't even imagine because we've been doing it on our own without his presence in it, okay? So this weird vow is called the Nazarite vow, okay? And by the way, do you guys, don't you love our incredible LED screen back here? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it like, don't you love it? Isn't it awesome? Today, we're gonna use this $12 whiteboard, okay? Um, Not because it's better (laughs) and not because it's clearly worse, but I just wanna write some things up there that that maybe, that you're just gonna have to maybe, maybe pay attention to in a little bit different way. And they're words, that are gonna help us understand this vow. And I think when you see the whole list when we're done, it's gonna get us somewhere, okay? So it's called the Nazarite vow, okay? And it's found in the book of Numbers. And it starts out this way. Here's what scripture says. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, okay? okay, So this is the context. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of the Nazarite, setting themselves apart for the Lord in a special way, okay? So the very first thing that we see that is important part about this is that it is a special, okay? It's a special valve, right? Oh yeah, it's a spiel, special valve, okay. See, this is what you're gonna get with my, when my wife, when I met my wife's aunt for the very first time, um, I had to write something down. I think we were. I think I was writing the bill at a restaurant or something. She saw my handwriting and she goes, "Are you sure you want to marry him?" That looks like serial killer handwriting to me. So anyway, there you go. That's what you're going to get today. But see, you're already paying attention to it. Million dollar LED screen, forget it. Seven dollar board, gotcha. Okay, here we go. All right. So special vow. All right. Another. So if now that's what it, it's. That's what it says. Okay. Now if you. If you go through scripture and you find where this word that meant special vow shows up, okay? This is what it got translated into English. But if you go through and you find it other places, it gets translated in different ways, all right? Um, in the book of Judges, the translated word for special vow is this. It's amazing, okay? Amazing vow, all right? So that's another way of looking at it. If you go deeper, okay, another translation calls it wondrous, okay? If you go even deeper and keep looking, we find that this kind of vowel is called a miracle. So hopefully it's pretty easy for you to see that we're talking about something that is more then, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds in 2024, okay? It's something else. It's, it's special, right? It's, it's special. It's, it's amazing. It's wondrous. It's a miracle. It's, 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 it's dialing into this need that we really have, something that is something that we can't get past, something that's going to pull us closer to our relationship with God. So it's, it's, it's a special vow. It's an amazing vow. It's a wondrous vow. It's a miracle. It's a miraculous vow, okay? So this vow, someone who is taking this kind of vow is is desperate to make something special, wondrous, supernatural, miraculous 
maybe in today's language, extreme happen in their lives. A person wanting something really amazing to happen in their life would make this vow called the Nazarite vow, okay? Now, as we go through numbers, it lays out, what does that require? If you're gonna take this vow, what does it require, okay? And it says there are three basic things that you had to do to take this Nazarite vow, right? Here's the scripture, it says this. First, it says, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. Some of you are like, oh, I'm out. Nope, I'm out of that, sorry. No, I'm out, okay? So that was the first thing, right? So you had to give up wine or any alcoholic drink, but it was even deeper than that. It says, they must not use vinegar made from wine or other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice. They must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by the Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or skins. Okay, so no wine or eating anything with raisins. Now you might like, okay, great. Um, I can see how someone would take that up and that might be a positive thing for their life. Here's the thing. Here's why it was so hard. Okay, this is what we need to understand. Um, During this time when people were doing this, wine was completely central to almost everything, to festivals, to dinners, to celebrations, weddings, um, Passover, there was wine. So it it was like a staple daily kind of thing that was in life almost every single day. You know, we read about Jesus at the wedding and turning water into wine, right? So wine was, was there all of the time. And it was, quite frankly, just difficult to avoid. So to take this vow meant that you were radically altering probably a big part of your lifestyle pattern. There were times that you would simply just have to say, you know what? I'm not going to the festival with you guys. Um, I'm gonna have to sit out of that wedding There's wine there and it's gonna trip me up and I can't be around it because I'm making this special vow to God. So basically what I want you to understand about this is it's not really about the wine, but what it was requiring was this. It required denial, okay? This required, taking this vow required of you thinking about things in a different way and there were some things, one thing, many things maybe, that you just simply had to deny yourself, right? So that was a big part of this vow. Denial was a big part of the vow, okay? You had to deny yourself of something in life that was pleasurable or just even normal or central to life. Okay, let's look ahead at the next two things. The second one was this. They were never to cut their hair throughout the entire time of the vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. Okay, so the second thing was you could never cut your hair forever. Whatever time you dedicated this vow, whatever you just chose it was gonna be, you could not cut your hair, okay? Now, having hair that was not cut would get noticed. It would set that person apart. It wouldn't go unnoticed that the person had skipped the haircut and was doing something different. So that would make the vow very public, okay? So you have this vow that you're taking and what you're committing to is you're gonna, you're gonna deny yourself of some things that normally are fine for you or that have been part of your life. And the second thing is, it's not hidden. It's not like, hey, I'm doing it. I don't really want people to know about it. It's kind of my thing. Everybody's gonna know. It's a public vow. People are gonna notice just when you show up that you're taking this vow. So it's denial 
and it's public, okay? The third part of it, I told you this gets even more weird, okay? So here we go into Weirdville. Um, And they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow, okay? Some of you are like, okay, no wine, I got that. Okay, that's maybe a little bit hard. Um, Okay, let me see, dead body, no problem, okay? Yeah, no problem, right? I can do that, okay? But here's the thing. Here's what it says as it goes on. Even if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves. For the hair on their head is the symbol of their separation to God. Now, maybe number three seems weird. Maybe it seems easy, like, yeah, no problem, God, I got that. But here's the thing. In this society, okay, no hospitals, having someone die in your space or in your presence was a real possibility, Okay, you lived in community with extended family and across the courtyard, maybe 10 yards away was an aunt or an uncle, extended family and and just the chance of that happening in your life was actually pretty high, okay? So for a person making this kind of vow, it might require separation from the people that they held most dear the people that were in their life every single day. This was such a serious thing that if you wanted it to take hold, that if you wanted to set yourself apart with this special vow to God for him to work in your life, that you had to do some extreme things, okay? You had to deny yourself of maybe some common things or things that you love. You had to make sure that it was public, that people knew that you were about that. And the last thing was that it might require your separation from even the people that you love the very most in your life. These three things were required. Denial, being a vow that's public, and separation. Now, if the person making the vow messes up, if they mess up in one of these areas, okay, there were consequences, All right, I'm gonna read this to you. It's not necessarily gonna be up on the screen, but I want you to hear what it is, okay? First thing, if they mess up, they must wait for seven days. Remember one of the things is you have to grow your hair long? They have to wait for seven days and then shave their head, okay? Then they will be cleansed from their defilement. On the eighth day, they must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one of the birds for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will purify them from the guilt they incurred through contact with the dead body in this case, okay? Here's an important part. The days of their vow that were completed before the defilement no longer count. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord as a Nazarite for the full term of their vow. So here's the bottom line. If you take this vow, you're going to have to rethink the way that you live. Have to deny yourself. You might have to live away from the people that you love. And the people will know that you're taking this vow. It will be public that you're looking to God to do something miraculous or special or extreme in your life that has not happened so far. And I read this week that there was a range on how long people would take these vows, 30 days to seven years, which brings this whole 
idea of what happens if you mess it up along the way into a whole new level? What if you're into it 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, five years, and you mess it up? What do you got to do? Start over. So I tell you that so you can understand the extreme nature of what people were willing to do in order to have this miraculous thing, this, this special vow, this amazing vow, this wondrous vow, this miraculous vow, this thing that they wanted God to do in their lives come to completion. They were willing to do incredibly amazing things for that to happen, okay? Now, when the vow came to an end, if you made it, if you made it all the way through whatever time you dedicated, if you made it all the way, okay, there was a prescribed way to bring it all to an end, okay? So here's, here's the end, okay? A couple of things. Again, it's not going to necessarily be up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, this is the ritual of the Nazarites for ending the vow. At the conclusion of their time of separation as Nazarites, they must each go to the entrance of the tabernacle and offer their sacrifices to the Lord, a one-year-old male lamb without defect for a burn offering, a one-year-old female lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a peace offering, a basket of bread made without yeast, cakes of choice flour mixed with olive oil and wafers spread with olive oil, along with their prescribed grain offerings and liquid offerings. The priest will present these offerings before the Lord, first the sin offering and the burnt offering, then the ram for a peace offering, along with the basket of bread made without yeast. The priest must also present the prescribed grain offering and liquid offering to the Lord. Okay, I know that's a mouthful and it's weird and you're like, okay, whatever. But here's the thing. Look at the list. Here's the list. I'm gonna put it up there again. A year old lamb, a year old ewe lamb, a ram, grain offerings, drink offerings, a basket of bread, cakes, oils, and wafers. Notice that this is a lot of stuff. Okay, this is a lot of stuff. It would have been unbelievably expensive for one person to bring and think about even literally just carting that stuff to the tabernacle, let alone being able to afford to bring it to the tabernacle, okay? In today's money, one source that I read said this would represent several hundred thousands, several hundreds of thousands of dollars for you and me, okay? That's how it would translate to today. So no one who made this kind of vow unless they were extremely well off going into it, would be able to fulfill this vow by themselves. They would need friends, family, and a community to complete such a vow. It seems that for anyone to fulfill that vow, not only would they have to give up and give away pretty much everything they had, they would need the help of their friends and family to be willing to sacrifice pretty extensively as well. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about most of the resolutions that maybe you have made or that I've made or goals that we've set. Most of them, and maybe it's because we're Americans. (laughs) Maybe it's because we live in Nova. I don't know what it is. But most of ours are about me and it's me. (laughs) I'm making the vow, it's me. I'm capable, I can do it. It's my thing that I need to work on. I'm gonna do it by myself. Rarely, I think, do we actually pull others into that and say, there's something 
in my life that needs to change. I haven't been able to accomplish it. I've tried on my own, but I'm gonna stop doing that and I'm gonna surrender that to God. But even in that surrender, I need you as my community to help me get there. You know, take a look around the room. You know, that section, look at that section and these two sections, look at each other. It's this idea of going into something that you need or something that you're desperate for, calling upon the people in your community to help you get there. The person that took the Nazarite vow would have to go into that knowing they could never finish it, never fulfill it, never be done unless their community walked with them through that. I think that's a powerful and awesome and beautiful picture. Um, How many of us really approach our goals and dreams and resolutions with that mindset? That it's not just about achieving your goal, but instead it's about us and it's about community. Um, Have you ever made a New Year's resolution that requires community, Um, your network of friends to fulfill? So to fulfill this vow, to bring it to an end is surrendering all you've got to God. You're surrendering all that you have and your friends are committing to surrendering some of what they have so that this can be fulfilled in you. So in the end, it's really all about surrender. In the end, what gets us to the end really is what we need to begin with in the beginning. And that is surrender. Surrendering all you have. Now, if you're brain is working like mine does, and you're wondering, why would someone ever go through all of this? Why would they take this on in the first place and, and really humble themselves in maybe ways they can't even imagine by asking people to be part of it and to um, separate themselves and deny themselves and make their issues public and say, I need help with this? Why in the world would anyone ever do that. And I thought about that a lot this week. And the only conclusion I could come to was that they are completely desperate for a change. (laughs) Like, I need a change. I can't do what I'm doing anymore. It's it's keeping me back. It's separating me from where I want to be. It's not, I'm not in a place where I can be fulfilled completely in my relationship with God or with my community with my family, I, I, I just can't do it anymore. And they were desperate, they were desperate for a change. Maybe the way that we can relate to this today is, you know, maybe there's just that thing, that this slippery sin, this, this thing that you've just been tripping over forever. And as you go into a new year, you might be thinking, all right, um, I wanna get past this, but I probably won't. I'm just gonna kind of live with it again in 24 and do the best that I can. But maybe you don't wanna do that anymore. Maybe you wanna change that. You know, whatever your issue is, whether it's, you know, it's anger or frustration or with something in your life that is an addiction or anxiety or um, something that really has a grip on you. Maybe you've just blown it and you can't believe that God has actually forgiven you for that. Think that the people who took the Nazarite vow had the very same issues that we navigate through today. 
It's not that much different. The things that they're dealing with then we're probably still dealing with now. And they just got to the point where they said, I'll do anything for that no longer to be a controlling part of my life. Even if it costs me all that I have, even if I have to humble myself and bring everybody I know into it, even if it has to be upfront and public, if I have to deny myself of all these things that I love, it's worth it. I am so serious. I'm going to do it. I want to close with this thought, and it's this. How bad do you want it? <laughs> How bad do you want it? You have some sort of dream that seems to never happen. You have goals for this year. How bad do you want them? How bad do you need to let go of something? How badly do you want it? Maybe we can resolve together today to do it differently, starting with surrender, pulling in those who can help us, maybe being more public about what's happening with you than you've ever been in your life. God, here's how serious I am about this. And I'm ready and willing to tackle it in a way that I never had before. Um, this morning, in a minute, we're gonna take communion together which I think is a, a really great place for us to start in 2024. Um, as you remember, when Jesus gave us communion, he said to his followers a very simple phrase. He said this, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He says, practice this, do this, be part of this in remembrance of me. And I think this morning, maybe, maybe as we take that together, Maybe that can be the beginning for you of surrendering, starting with surrender and moving through into a difference in this year than what it's been in the past. Do it in remembrance of him is the beginning of where we start of going through something different. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, um, <clears throat> first, I just want to thank you for the promises and the hope that you give us through your word. So many of those things that we can hang on to. We can understand that we already own some of the things that we need because of what you've done on the cross. That you've already won, that we've already won, and that we can embrace that and let go of some of the chains that bind us, some of the things that hold us back. Because we've already won, but we've forgotten it. Lord, I pray for every soul in this room today that you would renew us in the ways that we need. That you would remind us about why you do it, because you love us, that you have a hope for us, you have a future for us, that you want us to show, you want to show your mercy and remind us of it. Lord, we thank you for that. We're grateful for that. Let us embrace those things in a way maybe we never have before. Lord, I pray for every single person in this place. Thank you for who they are. And I pray for one more thing, and that's courage. Lord, it will take courage on our part to want to do these things, to move in a new direction that we've never moved before. 
So Lord, I pray for courage for each and every one of us as we take our next step into this year. Here we love you. We thank you for who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Fairfax Church Podcast. You can find more messages like this on our YouTube channel at Fairfax Church or follow us here. If you were blessed by the message and resources provided, feel free to leave us a review.